Okay, stop the tape, please. Welcome to We Are Weezer mini episode number nine. This is Rachel and We Are Weezer is a podcast about Weezer. Every full episode we choose a song, we find out cool details, articles, reviews, we rate it and review it ourselves and sometimes I'm with my co-host Juliet and sometimes I have a special co-host. So episode 41 my, my special co-host is Brian Ewing. He's the artist who did the Walking Dead slash Weezer posters for a Walking Dead party at San Diego Comic-Con one year. And we had so much fun talking that we had a lot of content. So I decided to make two minis out of it. This is part one. And part two will be mini number 10 after episode 40, a very special. And I guess the full show you would call it is going to be on The World Has Turned and Left Me Here with Brian, episode 41. So be sure to listen to that. Be sure to listen to the whole episode because there's a special announcement at the end of this one. And please enjoy. Welcome to We Are Weezer. Today we have a very special guest, legendary artist, Brian Ewing. Is that, am I saying it right? <laughs> it's Ewing? Ewing. It sounds like you're really disgusted with me, like, ew. <laughs> so no, think of like the basketball player or the guy from Dallas. I don't know. Dallas, that's a deep, that's a deep cut. Oh yeah, cut. that's an old one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to the show and thank you for coming. Thank yes. you. Hi. Thank you for having me. This is pretty yeah. cool. So we're happy to have you and you're very talented and <laughs> it seems, I don't know, I think that this podcast has gotten me places I didn't expect to go. Um, so getting to interview uh, such a fancy artist, we're, we're honored. So thank you for your time. Sure. <laughs> I wouldn't say fancy, but that's cool. I mean, I think that you're, you seem to be like super down to earth and like a nice person, uh, yeah, I try. I mean, the worst thing you can do is be shitty to people that support you. And uh, I don't really have room for that. There's, there's, you know, I can't pay my rent with my attitude. Uh, so, and it's, you know, meeting people is, is secondary to doing the art. You know, it's a, it's a cool byproduct of people actually liking what you do. I don't know. I'm pretty mm. self-deprecating about it. Though. And, and, <laughs> well, it's hard to be good at it and it's hard to get get anywhere as an artist. I think a lot of people who go to art school yeah. can understand that. And watching that, I'm assuming we can talk about your documentary, but watching that, it's very, you know, people have 
high hopes and and dreams, and it's hard to get where you are. So, yeah, the documentary uh, ended up being like uh, a lot of fun to do, but um, I think towards the end it bummed a lot of people out because it was really honest. Instead of going, you know, just pay sixty grand and you can be an artist, it's more like pay sixty grand, end up in debt, work at a shitty job for four years, and then you might start being an artist. Um, and that's what happens to a majority of people that go to art school. They just don't really talk about it because then you know the 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 enrollment would be way way down. So um, yeah, but yeah. Well, I think it has to do with personality too, because you, it it does matter. You have to be kind of, you have to have some charisma. You have to have, it's also luck. It's kind of like being an actor. Like you kind of have to like know the right people. Yeah. Certain people have to like it. Um, you, I think everyone gets into a, a certain genre and if you take off from there, then cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, there's no, uh, right way to do it you know there's no like oh you just open this door and use this password and you are you're golden you know unless you have rich parents other than that you know it's it's a it's a crapshoot you know and um it takes a lot of failure and and determination to get anywhere with it you know and a lot of people they want to hear how great it is and how much money you make and you know who you get to meet but they don't want to hear how hard it is and how lonely it is and you know just depressing (laughs) early you know, so as far as being down to earth, I I don't think anybody's beneath me. And uh, I guess I've been, I've been around people in the industry who talk down to me and I realize that's not how I like being treated. So I don't want to treat anybody else. So I don't know. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably going to be, you know, if, if I was more of an asshole, I'd probably get further in life, but yeah, <laughs> I couldn't sleep at night. You know, I'm, I'm enough of one already. So Well, there's a I'll happy medium to not being a dick and yeah. still getting things done, you know? It's fun to watch those people who are dicks do really well, though. And it's just like, what the hell is going on? This is, like, wrong, you know? But then you just kind of watch their careers just, you know, skyrocket. But as I'm going to misquote Ozzy Osbourne, he's like, be nice to everybody on the way up because you're going to see him on the way down. And, you know, after a couple of years, some of those people that were really shitty to everyone – it catches up to them and next thing you know they're asking you for advice or to hook them up with a job or whatever mm-hmm. so it's it's karmic it's funny so i believe in karma and just uh whatever i put out there you know if i can get some of that back that'd be great well and what was i going to say you i i was going to say that usually those those people they're not going to be long lasting no. and it's kind of like weezer to be a nerd um where you you have to appreciate your fans and be nice to everyone, and that that is what people are going to remember, and that's how you last longer yeah. out in in life. Yeah, you can be hot, but it's uh, oh man, I was going to quote this one hip hop group, <laughs> and I'm going to screw it up because um, they have a lyric: uh, "Anybody can be hot. It's a matter of can you handle being not hot." And um, a buddy of mine, Dave Crossland, uh, sent that to me a long time ago. And it was something that stuck with me, but not well enough that during an interview, I can remember the lyrics exactly or <laughs> who wrote them. So I suck. What, what's yeah, the name of the, um, of the group? I don't know. Um, now I'm trying to remember. Uh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to remember that. It'll come to yeah, you. Like it'll come the to morning, you later. It'll come to me. So just yell it out randomly. Yeah, you'll get a phone call at three in the morning. <laughs> I, I've done that 
to I did that to Carl. I was like, <laughs> "There, this is the name of the band we've been talking about for that we talked about uh, two weeks ago." For is that Carl that I tried Cook? To remember. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was a great interview. Thank you. That we're, our final chunk is going to come out this Wednesday, and it's awesome. my favorite part. So it'll. I hope he likes it. Is very diplomatic with his answers because it's got to be difficult, oh, yeah. you know, to answer some of those questions. Yeah, he <laughs> was amazing. Yeah, so yeah. nice. Like, spent probably three and a half hours with me, and also didn't screw anything up because there was there was stuff that he couldn't talk about, and like random stuff where I would ask questions, and he's like, um, <laughs> you know. So it's you could tell he's always thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, again, diplomatic, which is. Uh, but he, when he was talking about the rivers writing style and keeping like a database, that was really interesting, you know. And I don't know if that's often discussed in interviews uh, with rivers, but it was cool to hear about it finally. Um, you never think someone would be that technical about being creative. So yeah. Well, and if someone is going to be that technical about being being creative, it's going to be Rivers. Sure, probably. (laughs) It's amazing. One day, his brain will emancipate itself from his body and just you know exist (laughs) alone, probably, and make music that way. (laughs) Well, so let's. Yeah, I totally derailed you. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. Uh, We rambled, and that's that's what happens. Let me tell the the peeps about you. So I just took a some key facts that I found on uh, Brian Ewing.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so your birthday's in January. Oh, it's soon. So happy birthday in advance. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, next yes. week. Are you going to do anything fun? I try to. Um, a lot of my friends like tattoo artists are very like, I'm just going to stay home for my birthday and, you know, hate the world. And uh, I believe life is too long and I want to enjoy it. So even if I'm living here or LA or New York, I try to make a goal of doing the best I can to have a good time without hurting myself, I guess. So um, there's a bar here called Club 185, and it's the only bar in the city with a photo booth. And it's the uh, traditional photo booth. It's not digital, so it's chemical, you know, so you, you you can smell the eggs and sulfur from the developing um, <laughs> chemicals, and uh, it's black and white. It's, it's it's also not great quality, so it looks really good. So um, it's something you would want to throw into a Photoshop filter to look distorted, but it yes. does it for you. So I enjoy doing that, and I get a bunch of introverts to be extroverted for one night. We just throw a bunch of money into the uh, to the photo booth, and um, at the end, what I would do is then like in Photoshop or I don't even know what else I could use, but you can animate each frame, you know? So it's this really neat way to capture all your friends who probably had a couple of drinks who are letting loose a little bit and also kind of show people in their natural setting, having fun. Um, So I don't know for me, that's if the photo booth is working last year, we broke it. So (laughs) um, hopefully it's not broken still. You might have to buy one. You might have to like, I don't even no, know where. No. I, if I bought one, I I think my two things I would love to buy is a Xerox <laughs> machine and a photo booth. I think um, a photo booth is Because when I was a kid, idea. I was fascinated. Yeah, yeah. As a kid, I was fascinated with uh, Xerox machines and stuff like that. So, And that's probably part of the reason why I'm here. 
But yeah. <laughs> yes, that, that makes a lot of sense. I don't think I was conceived on a Xerox machine, but <laughs> well, so I, I think my career... You're, you're from La, La Mesa, which is San yep. Diego-ish, right? Yep. Uh, how did you end up in Columbus, Ohio? Well, my parents, my dad was in the Navy and stationed in San Diego, but all we could really afford was La Mesa. And I was born and then we moved to Oahu, Hawaii. And after that, my Ooh. parents divorced, and then we moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I grew up mostly. And then, uh, oh, that's totally different than Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could have uh, grown up with a surfboard and, uh, you know, just I don't know a tan or something like that. <laughs> Instead, I, you know, my my hair went from blonde to like dark brown, and I'm just pasty. And then uh, I lived in Minneapolis for about five years, and then. Actually, no, I went to Chicago after that to go to school and drop out successfully. And then um, I moved to Minneapolis for about five years. And then uh, where did I go from there? I went to L.A. And then I moved to San Francisco. And then I moved to New York. And wow. then I moved to Columbus, Ohio. I was, uh, I was in Ohio, in Columbus, at the Columbus College of Art and Design doing a lecture. Uh, my friends who were graduates there had set it up and... Um, for them, it was fascinating to talk to somebody who never got a degree in art to have that to have that person come out and lecture to the students and kind of go, okay, well, you know, your school is telling you one way, but here's another way of being an artist. Either way works, you know, it's up to you. So I was supposed to go to South by Southwest right after that. I was going to fly from Columbus to Austin, and I had a booth there, and I was going to I was going to exhibit, but UPS lost all my boxes, so. I had no purpose in going, you know, I was just going to stand at an empty booth waving at people, you know, so my friends told me to hang out for a couple of days and they showed me around and, you know, I was living in New York and my rent for my apartment was about $2,000, which was a shoebox. And then I had a studio, which was another $1,000. And then you have utilities and cost of living and, you know, beer money and all that crap. And uh, it ended up being like $4,000 a month, you know, just to just to say you lived in New York. Um, and I had done that for a few years and I got really stressed out and exhausted. And if you live in New York long enough, you turn into an asshole because you, you know, you start believing, yes, this is the greatest <laughs> place in the world. And, you know, why, you know, why would I go to Ohio if I live in New York? Um, so, yeah, I don't understand move. I don't understand New York being so cool. I mean, I know it's cool, but I just don't understand. I don't, I'm yeah. the same way. I, I don't want to go on a subway. Oh, really? Oh, I love I, it. I, yeah, it was like hot and stinky and like uh, scary and I don't know, freaked, freaked me out. Well, LA has subways now too, yeah. which are great and they're clean, which is surprising. They don't smell like urine and, you know, old pizza yeah, or anything like weird. that. But um, no, New York was cool. It's, uh, you know, great architecture, weird people, so much culture, mm -hmm. you know, and um there's so much turnover with people. Not many people live there for more than like four or five years. Usually it's after their parents stop paying for their apartment <laughs> that they leave. You know, I moved there. I didn't have rich parents. I paid for it myself. And um, I hustled a lot to stay there. And I was very proud that I did it. Um, I have some friends who are like, they just poo-poo on the whole thing, like, oh, man, New York sucks, and why would you do that? And I had so many life experiences, and my worldview has changed because I didn't live and die in this city that I grew up in, where mm -hmm. you meet some people, and that's all they do. And 
safety is better than adventure to them, I guess. And everything was an adventure, you know, like there are days where I'm just like, holy shit, I'm in New York and I don't have to go home. I live here, you know, this is bizarre. And I've met a lot of really great artists and there's a lot of just great art there. Mm -hmm. Tons of great musicians. And, you know, if anything, it's the food, the food's great. So, uh, so my friends, yeah, there's a lot long story. Yeah. My friends talked, the ones that set up the, uh, the ones that set up the lecture for me showed me around and they're like, guess how much it costs to rent a house? I'm like, I don't know, like three or $4,000. They're like, no, $800. I'm like, okay, guess how much a beer is? I was like, well, New York prices, a PBR is like nine bucks, right? They're like $2. Wow. I was like, oh man. So yeah, I think it was time for me to leave on good terms. You know, like if I was going to, I was going to break up with New York, it was because, you know, uh, it was, it was too expensive. Yeah, it was time. And, you know, neither of us did each other wrong. And I, I knew that I could always go back. And I have. So living here in Columbus, uh, it's been interesting because when I moved here, I was like, yeah, I'm going to clean up. I'm like, I'm from New York. You know, like everybody's going to think I'm so cool. I was totally <laughs> the opposite. I like it took me a couple of years to make friends. Dating sucked. And, you know, finally, uh, like once I started tattooing, I was learning people skills. And because uh, when you draw at home alone, you don't meet too many people. You know, mostly it's the FedEx driver and, you know, the cashier at the grocery store when you have to feed yourself. That's about it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I ended up here. And um, I'm still kind of figuring it out. Like, is, you know, do I die here or do I try some more places? Well, I don't know. It seems like you're enjoying it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like you're not uh, afraid of going anywhere else, so. Well, I was never afraid of that. It was the, I think it was Misery Loves Company. And maybe as an artist, you meet a lot of really depressing people. I don't know. But um, there, you know, some people that I met here that, uh, you know, like, why would you ever live in New York or why would you ever go to L.A.? You know, and my first question is, have you ever been? And 80% of those people have never been. You know, it's like, well, I heard it was bad. It's like, okay, that's not how you can really live life. So um, yeah. uh, now that I met my girlfriend, Andrea, I get to, we get to travel and I get to show her some of these places I used to live and introduce her to friends I still have and tell her about some of the experiences too. And it's unique and enlightening for her to go somewhere with somebody who's had experience there. Instead of like, all right, well, let's look in the timeout guidebook and, you know, where's Hollywood Boulevard? Maybe we can find, you know, so-and-so star on the sidewalk. You know, I'm not going to do that to her, but, I, you know, uh, if we go to L.A., I'll be like, let's go to, let's go to Wacko, the art gallery, or, you know, let's go to, gosh, you know, let's go to the, let's go to LACMA or the Getty or something cool like that. So, yeah, you know, it's a, uh, it's totally different lifestyle here, which is mm -hmm. fine. Slower. You know? Very slow, um, where uh, people are very proud of where they're from, you know, their politics or, you know, just their upbringing or their whatevers. And um, they love their sports. And mm -hmm. I have soft artist hands, so I'm not really into sports. You know, like I went to art school, like I went to an arts high school. We didn't even have sports there, you know. <laughs> so um, there's not a lot to get along with others on that. So you try to find other things like music and, and uh, you know, just diversity and stuff like that. So I've been slowly finding that stuff. And I think a lot of it is thankful to tattooing because you meet so many people every mm -hmm. day. Um, 
Whereas you wouldn't, you know, like I said, you know, hold up in your apartment drawing alone. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's why Columbus, I guess. And from here, I don't know, you know. Well, um, I'm partial kind of to your... LA. I'm probably never going to sure. leave. Why would you? You have one season, <sighs> yeah. you know, when well, I it miss rains, the seasons, people freak but, out. You know, I can go visit them. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, when I moved to LA, it was uh, December of 1999. And it was probably like uh, a day or two before um, January 1st. And my birthday being in January, it was the first time I'd ever experienced a warm weather birthday. Like, I'm outside in shorts. What is going on? You know, like, am I going to wake up soon? Am I on an operating table? Did I die? No, you know, I'm just in LA. <laughs> and LA is great if you don't buy into the. LA dream, you know, uh, being, you know, you want to be rich, you want to be famous, you want to be good looking, you want to be in a band, you want to be in a commercial, you want to be on a billboard. There are so many people who don't, and they're great people, and they all yeah. live in LA, and those are the people I would hang out with. And then um, I think you have to be from LA sometimes to not be like that, because when you're from here, it's kind of like, oh, of course you're from Ohio. Like, I feel like everyone <laughs> comes here to to do those things and then they realize that it's sure much di more difficult than you expected and it's we, like welcome to the jungle is supposed to start playing as soon as like you you know get off the mm -hmm. the greyhound on hollywood and vine or something yeah. to pursue your dreams and end up just being like a crackhead or a prostitute or something i don't know yeah. that's what like i assume happens. Waitress. <laughs> oh yeah yeah well and so you started out uh working for hustler uh, yeah. <laughs> doing the scheduling, prep houses. So what's that like preparing the actual magazine? Yeah. Okay. So I was working at a Kinko's. I worked at a Kinko's in Minneapolis and I moved to LA and I wanted to make sure I had a job when I moved to LA and not be some like unemployed bum like everybody else was. And um, so I kept my job at Kinko's and I really hated it. And I saw in the LA Times, there's an ad for, in the classifieds for, you know, assistant art director, men's adult magazine. And I grew up really strictly Catholic. Like I was an altar boy. I went to church every day, you know, for years. And um, I didn't know what that meant. I thought they meant like G like GQ or details or like Sports Illustrator or some shit like that. And so I applied and um, I sent them a really sarcastic cover letter about how I dropped out of art school. And, you know, they called me back. They're like, yeah, they're like, yeah, we want to meet Loved you. It. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. And um, I didn't know what LFP stood for. It's Larry Flint Publishing. So I have to go to the building and I'm like, oh, there's a huge statue of John Wayne out here. That's bizarre. <laughs> and um, it's on it's on uh, Fairfax and something else. I can't remember anymore. I haven't been there in forever. So the lady I met with, this woman named Sharon Ludke, I think it was the first time for me to see that someone saw potential in me. You know, uh, we talked about the job for about 20 minutes and then we spent like an hour talking about music. You know, she had come up with the Ramones and Blondie and Basquiat and Warhol in the 70s in New York. And we just talked about that. And I think it was less about skill for her and more about personality. And, you know, I was really young and I didn't really have a personality. Most people don't, you know, unless they're assholes, I guess. I don't know. That's just what I want to say. So she uh, hired me on the spot and uh, fired me the next day. I didn't even get to walk in. What happened was Larry Flint's daughter's <laughs> fiance needed a job 
And so they just gave him that job. And it's not like he showed up and did anything. He was just oh, there Jesus. to collect a check. And um, so she was really apologetic. And she got me a job doing scheduling and prep house stuff. So I would deal with art directors who would hire me to freelance to to show them like how to use Photoshop and shit like that. And I never would, I never learned that in school. I learned it working at Kinko's, oddly enough. So if you want to save a bunch of money, get a job at Kinko's and don't go to art school um, <laughs> or go for one year. So yeah, I, I did that for like almost well, like two and a half years. And by the end, I was just frustrated. Um, Sharon, who had hired me, had quit. And her goal was to um, kind of groom me to be an art director. And after she quit, that just kind of went away. And I tried staying on and I hated the job, you know, and the job kind of hated me. Like me and my boss didn't like each other. And I was always freelancing for the other magazines anyway. And I was doing posters on the side. So, I so that's started, when you started uh, like doing your own thing? Like, Well, yeah. Uh, at the time I had a girlfriend and I was like, hey, I'm going to get a job at Hustler. And she was like, don't do that. That sounds stupid. I got the job at Hustler. And it's like, hey, I'm going to quit Hustler. And she's like, don't do that. <laughs> I was like, why? She's like, you'll never make it as an artist. You're not good enough. And so I was like, all right, this relationship's going to last. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I quit with like enough money to pay that month's rent. And I spent like, I was unemployed for five days. I I like on a Wednesday or Thursday, I started contacting every band, every label, every venue, every comic book publisher. And I just said, hey, I'm an artist. Here's a couple of examples of my work. And one uh, label got back to me, which was BYO Records. And they're still around and they do a lot of like punk rock and they're from LA. And they asked me to do a compilation cover and I was like, holy shit. So I did that. And then I contacted those 199 other people and said, hey, look, uh, I contacted you a couple weeks ago. Um, out of that, someone hired me and this is what I did. And then I just started getting work from there. And around the same time, I started talking to the Troubadour and uh, I showed him the work that I was doing when I was living in Minneapolis. I was just doing like black and white flyers then, but I told them what I wanted to do and they liked the idea. And it just kind of took off from there. You know, it was just a perfect storm, I guess. Or I was the wrong person in the right place. I'm not really That's sure. That's really cool, though. Yeah. And then she dumped me six months after, <laughs> which was like the greatest thing that ever happened to me because it, it forced me to grow up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're 25 and I think it was, I have no idea what age I was, but that was pretty immature and it forced me to, to become mature. And yeah. So, yeah, I didn't know anybody. I had no friends. Yeah. And uh, it really forced me to decide, you know, you're either going to make the best of it or you're going to go back home with your tail between your legs. And when I moved to L.A., a lot of the people I knew in Minneapolis and Milwaukee were like, you're not going to make it. You'll be back. And I was so happy that I never had to come back. So, yeah, long story. That you made it. That's cool. So you you also say that some of your heroes and mentors are Frank Kozik, Coop, Tara McPherson and more. Uh, those are, I think, everyone's heroes. And but who's who has mentored you out of that? Um, it's mostly like with Frank and Coop. Um, they were my heroes, and then I started doing rock posters, and I was able to have something in common with them. And um, it wasn't. I wouldn't go up to them and be like, "Hey, how do I get a job?" And I, they got a lot of that, and uh, it. Instead, it was more like, hey, uh, 
how do I get this client to pay me or, you know, what's good printing practice? Um, and with Tara, uh, she moved to Hollywood and we lived a couple of blocks away from each other and her and her boyfriend at the time hit me up and we just started hanging out and we would kind of teach each other like, Hey, where do you go to, you know, how do you get this printed? How do you deal with this client? And she's exploded. You know, everybody knows who she is and I'm really proud to say that Mm -hmm. we're friends. Um, and we're still friends, you know, it's not like we like, fuck you for succeeding or anything like that. Um, (laughs) which can happen. Um, but yeah, I see those people as either the career I have or the career I'm striving for, you know, um, not to be like them stylistically, but to have successes like they do. Mm-hmm. To where you don't even have to try anymore. People just... Yeah. Yeah. And then another guy was uh, Dave Johnson, who is a um, comic book artist. He's done a bunch of stuff for DC and Marvel. He contacted me um, out of the blue one time. He's like, hey, you live in LA. You want to grab a beer? And I was like, oh, wow, Dave Johnson. I know who this guy is. He wants to hang out. And um, for me, he was kind of like a big brother and, you know, with a lot of tough love, he uh, showed me a lot about art. And in turn, I showed him how to use a computer. And because he at the time wasn't doing any of his own coloring, he's like, do you want to try coloring this? And I was like, yeah, I'll I'll try. I don't know if I can do it. And um, he appreciated that. Instead of me saying yes, I said, I'll try. Um, I was being honest with him. And over the years, uh, he, you know, in a very, I don't know how to say it, uh, did mentor me, but not directly. He was always somebody that gave me honest advice and feedback about my work. And then, yeah, as far as heroes go, it's, it changes every day. You know, yeah, if you saw my book collection, you would probably be very thankful I didn't live (laughs) in your house. You know, I just have way too many books and a lot of that's just art books. (laughs) Mine are uh, in my phone because I, I commute so or I, oh, okay. I listen, so I listen to books and yeah. um, that's my reading because I, if I start reading, I'll I'll get to I'll get tired. Um, oh yeah, that's the best way to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or not because then I get like involved and wrapped up in the story and not want to go to bed. Yeah, it's a, yeah, that happens too. It's a win-lose. Um, so your work fuses your own creative explorations of perspective, color, and space with classic, beloved imagery from rebellious American youth culture. And some of your clients are Metallica. You worked uh, with the Warp Tour, The Strokes, Death Cab for Cutie, The New Yorker Magazine, uh, Megadeth, Pixies, Dirty Heads, Linguinita's Beer, Social Distortion, and Emma Ruth Rundle recently, um, and more, uh, in advertising agencies. So you're, you're kind of like, like, uh, Don Draper over there. Uh, not as tall. <laughs> not really. I don't think I could handle my booze as well he did, as he did. And, uh, I'm not cheating on my girlfriend, you know, I don't have mistresses and shit like that, but, um, yeah, uh, advertising is such a weird thing. And that show kind of explained a lot of, uh, how society needs to be told what they want. It's really bizarre. Um, when you first watch it, you're just like really into the story. But then when you watch it again, you see a lot of the psychology behind advertising and it's true and it's Creepy. weird and you know, it's, it's, everybody accepts it. It's, it is what it is. It's very you know? interesting. But, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've worked with a lot of those bands recently, I guess. Uh, so, it's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, um I don't know. Uh you do something long enough, you aren't thinking about what you did, you think about what you have to do next. 
You know, mm-hmm. like how many episodes have you recorded? Uh, this is going to be, what are we on? 30, we're almost at 40. See, isn't so that this crazy? This is going to be episode you know? 41. Yeah. You probably aren't thinking about the first 10. You're thinking about, okay, where am I going to be next? And that's kind of how I feel about with my client list. I'm always, I'm much more happier when, if I say I worked with, I don't know, the dirty heads, uh, that was more than once, you know, that's a better experience to, and I got, and so far I've worked with them twice. We're talking about doing some more stuff, but I, to say that you have repeat business with them is much more satisfactory, you know, otherwise it's, you know, just people you meet, you know, and instead of being friends or just people you meet. Um, so yeah, every year it's more like, okay, that was last year's list. What's this year's list going to be? Well, uh, also I noticed that their, their posters are so much different than like your, your traditional other stuff or what I saw from other bands. It's like you kind of switch it up depending on who it is. And that's cool. I, I really like that about your art. Thanks. Um, it's, it's a matter of like, you know, uh, you're going to eat the same dinner every night or you're going to try to change it up. And with style, um, sometimes an artist is forced to change their style or they are doing it because they've hit the ceiling and they keep pushing the ceiling up, but they keep hitting it. And with the anatomical stuff that I was doing, um, it limited, the types of clients I would get, you know, it mostly if it's dark subject mm-hmm. matter, yes, they would hire me, you know? So like doing the Weezer stuff, I was surprised that they wanted to do the anatomical, but it made sense because it was the walking dead. Right. But you know, with bands like dirty heads, um, or pixies or God, now I'm looking like social distortion. Um, you know, it, gives me an opportunity to remind people I can draw um, with the anatomical stuff for like Emma Ruth Rundle or Megadeth or whatever. Um, people see the final product and it's a mixture of design and drawing and uh, with like dirty heads or social distortion. Um, it's me going, look, I can draw things. And uh, um, it's funny because I could put, you know, the Emma Ruth Rundle poster next to a dirty heads poster and people will think it's two different artists. Um, so as you grow older, right. um, you need to, you know, be interested in what you're doing. So that interests me to be able to switch back and forth now. You know, it's, uh, I don't have to just draw skulls, you know, which is nice because uh, I want to draw other things. And a lot of the recent change in my style has been because of tattooing. Um, I have to draw every day. Sometimes, like, I have to do, like, two or three finished pieces in a day. And it used to be with posters, I had to draw like twice a month. You know, I just had to do two, one or two posters and my rent was paid. And then the rest I just spent like, you know, getting chubby or, you know, or, uh, you know, trying to find more work. So (laughs) yeah, uh, the tattooing has made me more excited about drawing again. And I'm trying to let tattooing influence my poster work. So we have a contest. So the contest is, uh, there will be a form on our website when this comes out and you're going to fill it in. It's just your name and email and I think address so we can mail you the prize. But after we air the episode and uh, I wait a couple weeks, we're going to put a timeline on there. I will randomly choose... Uh, with my eyes closed, three winners, and what will what's everybody gonna win, Brian? 
So I squirreled away a couple of sets of the Weezer prints that I did. Um, so there'll be the regular set that I sell off my website. But then there are two San Diego Comic-Con exclusives with The Walking Dead. There's the red version, and then there's the kind of like black x-ray version. And those sold out right away at at Comic-Con. And that was how many years ago? Like five years ago? I can't remember. So I've just been sitting on them, and I just moved uh, a couple months ago and uh, found them. And I was like... Should probably do something with these and then when the opportunity came up to be interviewed i was like well why don't i just give them away and that'd be kind of cool because i would people would email me all the time like hey do you have these and i was too lazy to check and so instead of selling them um i think it would be fun to do as a giveaway um that is really 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 cool uh of you to do in the first place like giveaway art sure. um but and people love free shit yeah so. <laughs> but like you know? To give away these rarer ones that you can't really get anymore is really, yeah. really nice. So, yeah, uh, um, I think I think mine are just I have I bought I think I had a sale like last Christmas, so that was like a Christmas present for myself, and I think I have the the regular. Okay, okay. and they're gonna go. I have a spot for those now because I was like, where am I gonna put them? Because I have a, a son, he's four, and he has like you know dreams and stuff so i'm like i don't know if i want to put them like up in the house um but <laughs> i hate this band mom <laughs> he likes weezer but i just don't know if like the the skulls would trip him out yeah um, yeah no uh, but i don't know we just watched indiana jones and the temple of doom yeah it might have been too soon um because he had like some kind of trash compactor dream the next day but um Okay, take them to uh, Disneyland. They have the ride. That's yes, a lot of fun. Yes, and I I grew up in um like my I think my dad exposed me to everything scary like way too soon as well, and I'm fine, and I'm like have a level of tolerance and expectation for him because I don't want him to be afraid of that stuff because then I'm not going to get to take him to those places. Like, I want to go see scary movies. I want to go to Not Scary Farm and, like, have haunted houses. And and I don't want to worry about him being afraid forever because it's fun. So I'm trying to, like, ease him into it with Indiana Jones. And he took it. I mean, he was fine. Sure. Uh, what about Ghostbusters? We've seen Ghostbusters. Cool. And he was okay with that. It's a little bit sexual, the first one. But the... <laughs> yeah. When you're four, though, that means nothing. Yeah. I don't think he got that at all. Um, he was more, like, interested in, like, the State Puff mar Marshmallow guy. And no. um, I don't know. There's mm -hmm. So we're, we're easing into it. I was terrified of the edited for television version of The Wizard of Oz. The witch, really? The witch and the monkeys scared the shit out of me. And then uh, a couple years later, this neighbor kid came over and we we're going to watch The Shining or no, it was The Exorcist, edited for television again. And I couldn't do it. I ran up to my mom's room and just hid in her bed. And <laughs> he just watched the rest of the movie and just went home. You know, I was such a, I was terrified. And I think um, the things that scare you end up respecting, you know. And uh, uh, you, yeah. you know, I could watch this stuff now and go, stupid. You know, but at the time, like, you know, my, my fresh brain was just not ready for it. But mm -hmm. being afraid of things gives you an imagination. Imagination is very important. You know, I, my mom told me, and I didn't know this, that I had an imaginary friend. And I was terrified of going in the basement and stuff like that because all the things that I imagined would happen. So 
Well, hopefully it just builds upon his imagination, putting a nice spin yes, on it. Yes, hopefully. Because <laughs> we, and also we were watching like um, during Christmas Home Alone and uh, there's this part where he goes, because he's a kid alone in his house and the furnace is like scary and starts talking to him like, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. um, he's like, why is the furnace scary? And I'm like, the furnace isn't scary, hon. He's, um, it's his imagination. You know how you imagine... <laughs> monsters so it was kind of the same thing trying to get him to actually understand there's a difference than you know yeah i don't know they have you know berenstein bears has a book where it's like you turn on the light and it's your books put in a certain way and they thought it was monsters so it's just all about trying to show him oh and i'm i made him watch the making of thriller so he could see that it's not real you know I'm like, look at the scare. We'll watch the music video and then I'll show you the making of so you can watch them like put the stuff on so that you see that they're just like cool brink dancer dudes. They're not really like scary zombies going to kill you. And you can show them the prison version of that song, you know, where they all, all like they're all in orange jumpsuits and they reenact the, the thriller dance. Oh, they do. I, I think I remember that yeah. being on like a YouTube thing. Okay. It was like a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. And to show him that, see, like, see, you know, even people who committed crimes love this. Michael song. Jackson so is eternal, you're good, or something. They're doing life. <laughs> All right. It'd be funny if he thought he was just gonna like come back from the dead. Now that he's dead, you know, <laughs> your son's just worried that one day he's just gonna show up on your doorstep. He's still, yeah, mm-hmm. with like a red jumpsuit on and werewolf yeah. face. Like, I want that jacket, man. That's that's a cool jacket. Uh, it was really cool at the time. Remember, as a kid, they were selling them at Kmart. Uh, when that came out and I just begged and cried and pleaded my mom to buy that jacket for me. Never would. And I was so <laughs> upset with her. And she's like, she did me a favor thank me for this later. <laughs> oh yeah. She totally did me a favor. She's like, now you have no photos, no embarrassing photos of you trying to do the, the, the Billy Jean <laughs> dance, or the beat it dance. You know, yes. No sequined gloves yes. or mittens or whatever it was. So yeah. Sorry. I keep uh, sidetracking you. No, it's okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Brian, for your time and joining us and hope everyone enjoyed listening to it. Hope you'll stay tuned and come back for mini episode 10 and episode 41. Brian's social media, he's on Instagram at Brian Ewing, which is B-R-I-A-N-E-W-I-N-G. He has illustrations, posters, art, other art types like prints and originals. You can also check out his cool tattoos. He's on Facebook, Brian Ewing. Check out his cool documentary called Making It, which is also on Facebook. His website is www.brianewing.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to We Are Weezer on your podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at We Are Weezer. And if you'd like to email us, feel free. I love when you email me. I will respond. And if you just want to talk about Weezer, that's cool too. We are WeezerForever at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you later or talk to you later. (laughs) Adios. 
We are wizard. We are wizard. We are wizard, and I love you.